morning, early birds. Welcome to Grace. This is your first time with us. Uh, we'd like to welcome you. My name is Sam Ferris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, uh, continuing our series on the book of Samuel. And uh, today, the title of today's sermon is No Glory Days. Now, the title of the sermon is titled that way because Jeff and I, especially in the youth ministry, we like to tell the kids about our glory days. Jeff has more stories than I do, but um, I don't get to share very many of them, but the no glory days, because our glory days, as bad as I hate to admit it, has kind of passed. It's kind of passed. Back in the glory days, I had more hair, my knees didn't hurt, and I didn't turn my ankles walking on flat ground. Those were the glory days. Back in the glory days, I loved nothing more than competition, and especially earning and winning a trophy. It was all about the trophy to me. And back then, say like it's a long time ago, it doesn't, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it has been, it seemed like trophies meant something. Like if you earned a trophy, you earned it. You didn't just show up and put on a jersey. You didn't just show up to practice and, and eat snacks. You actually won a trophy. And if you didn't get a trophy, it's because you didn't win. You didn't work hard enough. And all too often, we think of trophies as something that we put in front of things. But the trophy meant something to me. I had trophies, um, as crazy as it sounds, at a Camaro, and I entered it into a car show, and I won a second-place trophy. So proud. You know how many cars were in my class? Two. 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 But I got a trophy. My football team played in a bowl game once. We lost. We got a second place trophy. How many teams played in the game? Two. I was like, so we, we, we use that trophy as, as ammunition, right, to, to, to work harder. Like, that's kind of a slap in the face. A second place trophy when there's only two teams. Across our cross-country team. Now, I have to say that that every kid that crosses the finish line in cross-country meet, okay, they deserve a ribbon. They deserve a ribbon. Whether they run a mile or two miles, they deserve a ribbon. But at the end of the season, we got a trophy. Like, what did we get a trophy for? And you're like, it says third place, Easter Vision. So I'm doing the count. So, so we were next to last in our division, but we still got a trophy. But those kids earned it, right? Getting that ribbon was earned. It was earned. Like this trophy up here. This trophy was not earned. This is, uh, this is our fantasy football trophy. <laughs> this, this bad boy is in my house right now because I won the championship last year. I didn't win anything. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. All the players in the NFL won this. I didn't. But the thing about a trophy is usually it doesn't last forever. Just like this fine piece of plastic. This trophy's going to be going with someone else at the end of the season. Because my team stinks. So just like the Israelites were, were losing God's glory, they were starting to treat certain relics in the ark like a trophy. That was going to be useless because, you know, right after I won this, it was, it was great, right? But it just started collecting dust. They were let me keep it on the mantle for a couple of days. And they just collected dust. 
And eventually, knowing how bad my team is, I know that it's going to go to someone else after this season. And that's the thing. Glory days has passed me by. And the Israelites, their glory has passed them by as well. And for some odd reason, they didn't even realize it. You know, Eli was corrupt. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were corrupt. God's glory was, didn't really go anywhere, but they were getting further and further away from him. And they were like, where, where is the glory? And finally, Samuel, the prophet, God started speaking to him. It's like, look, Eli, eventually I've got to tell you the truth. You keep asking me, I'm going to tell you. Your sons are going to die. Your, your reign is going to end. And so I think Eli automatically knew and saw the writing on the wall that the glory was, was leaving. The glory was, was gone. And you may be here today and you, you feel in the same spot. You may, where is the glory? I don't, I don't feel glorious today. God, where are you? Where is the glory? And you may feel like you're living in the no glory days. Eli the priest was corrupt. Just ask Hannah. She was weeping and praying to God, and he thought she was drunk. Hophni and Phinehas were, were corrupt. They were in it for themselves. And soon it would get worse, and all their glory would be gone. Before we get into Scripture today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just lift you up today, Lord. We just invite you in this place. Lord, we already feel your presence. Lord, just open up our hearts and our minds to your word today. Lord, just speak through me. Lord, just let me be a tool to be used for your glory. Lord, let all of us be used for your glory. Because that's what we're here for. Not our trophies. It's your glory, not ours. Lord, I pray for anyone that's not here today that if they're listening online, if they're watching on YouTube, Lord, just be with them. Be with their sickness, be in their pain, be in their loss. Lord, we just invite you in. Lord, we love you and we give you all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 4 today. So I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. So Samuel tells Eli that your sons are going to die. Eli, your, your time is numbered, and now they're at war. The Israelite army was captured near Ebenezer, and the Philistines were at Aphek. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders of the Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? And it's so funny, everything that they've gone through, all the battles that they've went through, all the, all the times they've seen God move in their lives and, and help them get victory. And I said, where did God go? Why did God allow this to happen? They started blaming him automatically. And we're so guilty of that as well. We go through a series and a time of struggle. Where is God? How did, how did he let this happen to me? How did he let this happen to my family? So listen to what they did. Then they said, and I say they because I think this is a collect, collective effort. This was not just one idea from one person. And it shows how far they were slipping away from God and his glory. So then they said, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. Let us bring the Ark 
that's supposed to stay in the temple. Key verse, if we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. It will save us from our enemies. So they sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were also there with the Ark of the Covenant. When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. Sounds like a pretty awesome worship service, does it not? The thing I want you guys to see is misplaced trust. Their glory was gone because of misplaced trust. They said, if we carry it into battle, if we carry it into battle, it will save us. It will give us victory over our enemies. It was just a box. See, they, they were doing what was right in their own eyes still. And, and they started to, hey, let's use the ark as a weapon. You know, apparently Indiana Jones wasn't, wasn't out yet, so they didn't see how bad that would end up for them. <laughs> it was supposed to stay in the tabernacle. It was supposed to stay in the holiest of holy places. And they said, no, let us take it into battle. It will save us. Their, their, their trust was placed in something that was an object. It was, it was placed in something that wasn't real. And see, the, the, the ark did represent God. It did represent God and Lord in the battle, but only when the people obeyed him and they listened to his commands and, the, and they prayed to him. It, it helped them in battle when it was his divine leading. And they carried it into faith. Then it was used properly. See, their glory is because they used the, the ark as a good luck charm. It's going to save us. It's going to protect us. It's going to give us victory. We've seen it all through the Old Testament. When the Israelites went to the battle, the Lord went before them and gave them victory. And if he didn't, what did they do? They cried out to him. They cried out, God, where are you? And then they started to get their hearts right. And then they started to give all the glory back to him where it, who deserves it and where it belongs. And then he gave them victory. Not before. So we see right here automatically, instead of getting their hearts right and going to him and crying out, let us carry it into battle. They came up with their own plan. See, God wanted them to make necessary changes in their life before he gave them victory. Get rid of this. Change this in your life. Fix this in your life, and then I'll give you victory. Do it my way, not yours. And right off the bat, they decided, let's do it our way. Let's carry the ark in the battle. They're going to carry it around like a trophy to intimidate people. This is going to save us. This box is going to save us. God in this box is going to save us. It's going to save us. It's misplaced trust. So we cannot put our trust in a creation over the creator. And we do this all too often. That we put our, our faith and our trust in things. We trust the created thing over the creator. So trust the creator over the creation. That he will step in. They thought the ark was going to save them. And God said, I'm not in it. I'm not in it. You didn't ask for my help. You're carrying around a box. 
You guys are just carrying around a fancy box, and it's not going to help you at all. You're carrying me around like a trophy trying to intimidate your enemy, and it's not going to work because I'm not in it. They should have known better. See, the Israelites knew the power of the ark. They knew the holiness of the ark. But they thought that that wooden box and that gold and that metal was their source of power. They thought it was their source of power. And just like most of the world, they had a, a warped, superstitious view of God. They were carrying around like a rabbit's foot or a horseshoe or a four-leaf clover. Superstitious. I heard it said once that, that ever since God created man in his own image, man has been trying to return the favor by creating God in their own image. We try to put him in a box. We try to put him in a thing. We try to put him in an object. It's not going to work. The people, they, they, were, they were more reverent to the object than they were the creator. And we're all guilty of this at some point. We're trying to replace the creator with a cheap creation. It's like wearing a cross. Wearing a cross is great. But if you're wearing that cross as a good luck charm, it's not going to get you anywhere. But if you're wearing that cross as a reminder of how sinful we all are and what he did on a cross for all of us, that's different. See, if we're wearing something like that to remind us of what he did, we're not wearing it as a good luck charm. We don't need luck when we have Jesus. We don't need luck when we have Jesus. See, their attitude of the ark was, it was getting close to pagan worship. It was getting close to idol worship. So what are your trophies today? What are you, what are you carrying in front of God today? Is it your job, your title, your wealth, your relationships? What are your trophies in life that you're carrying before him? What are your trophies in life that you're carrying around that are just relics that are going to be empty? And they're going to return to dust and they have no power. I love my trophies, but they just collect dust. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. And without God being in control and all the glory going to him, it was, the ark just became an empty box. He was not in it. They were trying to serve an it. They were trying to serve a thing. They were trying to serve a creation. They wanted a good luck charm, and it did not work. It's not going to work for you and me either. They're just empty relics with no power. Verse 6. And again, the people, they, they shouted. They, 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 they were so excited. They were so pumped up. They worshiped so loudly that the ground began to shake. And here the Philistines are. They just had a victory. And now they hear this. What's going on, the Philistines ask. What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because the ark of the Lord arrived, they panicked. They panicked. Listen to how they react. Not that it's the one true God. Not that it's the God of all creation. He says, the gods have come into their camp. Oh, they were crying out, this is a disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. Help. Who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? Well, I know one God that could if they would just turn to him. 
They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness. But listen to what they did. Instead of turning and running away, listen to the resolve. Verse 9, fight as never before, Philistines. If you don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves just as they have been ours. Stand up like men and fight. Were they in it just for the trophy? Were they motivated because of a trophy? They saw the ark as a trophy and it inspired them. It's kind of odd that the enemy had more faith and reverence over the ark than the Israelites did. Stand up like men and fight. So instead of running away, instead of intimidating their enemy, it made them stronger. So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents, and the ark of God was captured. Their trophy was captured, and Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. See, their glory was gone because they were trying to use God instead of listening to his voice and direction. They were trying to use him for their benefit. They were trying to use his creation. They were trying to use his relic that they were supposed to be reverent toward. And they were going to use it as misplaced trust. And oh, they were enthusiastic about it. They were, they were so pumped. But religious enthusiasm and emotional excitement that they were going through boils down to nothing if it's not based on God's truth. It's nothing. It's worthless. Their, their empty praise, their, their emotions, their happiness at the time was so great it made the ground shake, but it was empty. It was useless. It was worthless because God wasn't in it. God wasn't in it. It wasn't based on his truth. See, Hophni and Phinehas, they should have known better. They were the priests. They should have known that God's presence was with them depended on their obedience to his word. And that's the way we got to realize that our obedience to God depends on if he's with us or not. Is he an it to you? Is he just a trophy or a relic to you? Are you carrying trophies around in front of him? See, Hophni and Phinehas, they were, they were ungodly priests. That they, they worshipped the relics and the trophies over the truth, over God's word. Their empty praise and idol worship brought judgment, not blessing. It was empty. It was hollow. It was worthless. The way the Israelites responded was, was empty. It was based on false confidence. They saw the ark coming out. Oh, well, they're defeated now. They're going to be wiped out. The ark's coming. God's coming. It's coming. It will save us. 30,000 men died. God said, I'm not in it. You're not trusting in me. I'm not in it. Said intimidating the enemy, it made them stronger. It united them. It gave them nothing but crushing defeat when God's not in it. The Philistines defeated the Israelites. 30,000, even more men died with the ark in battle than without it. Samuel's, prof, Samuel's prophecy was realized. 
Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed in battle. Eli was seeing his glory, even though he had already seen it coming. He could see the glory of God just slipping by. And it wasn't God that was moving. It was the Israelites. It was Eli that was moving. It was Hophni and Phinehas that were moving. They were moving away from God. He wasn't moving away from them. And then something happened that had never happened before. The ark was stolen. And so I, th- I think God could have kept that from happening. But I think he's trying to teach them a valuable lesson. That it was an it. That he's not a trophy to be carried around. He's not an it. That we can't serve a creation over him. God said, I'm not a good luck charm. Everything, everything that we do, everything that we it must revolve around him. Our worship, our praise, our prayer life, our excitement, and all of our emotions are empty if he isn't in the center of it. Just like the song says, we cannot put him in a box. The Israelites tried to put him in a box, and it did not work. Without true faith and repentance in our lives, we're walking on thin ice. It's not good news. See, God isn't fooled by fake spirituality, church activity, the use of religious rituals. If he's not in the center, if he's not in it, it should be a warning for us that without true faith in him, without him being in the center, without giving all the glory to him, we're on thin ice. Verse 12. I like to say it gets better, but it doesn't. A man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battlefield and arrived at Shiloh later that same day. He had torn his clothes and put dust on his head to show his grief. Eli was waiting beside the road to hear the news of the battle. For his heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. See, I think he knew. He knew that the ark shouldn't have left the temple. I think he knew. When the messenger arrived and told what had happened, an outcry resounded throughout the town. He says, what's all the noise about, Eli asked. And I think it's significant that Eli is waiting by the road. He's sitting on his temporary throne at the gate of the city, waiting on his sons to come home, waiting on the ark to come home, waiting on news of, of victory. And the messenger just passes him on by. He just passes him by. The messenger finally rushes over to Eli, who was 98 years old and blind. He said to Eli, his glory days had definitely passed him by. I've just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my son? Eli demanded. Tell me what happened. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines. The people have been slaughtered. And your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed. And the ark of God has been captured. I have to seem to think, I don't think he was very shocked by this revelation. Verse 18, when the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backward from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died. For he was old and overweight He had been Israel's judge for 40 years. 
He fell back and he broke his neck because of his weight. Eli was so corrupt, he, he gained so much weight because he was taking things from the temple that didn't belong to him. He was, he was partaking of the sacrifices that were meant for God and using them for his glory. And he was getting fattened off of people's sacrifices, off God's portion. He was using his glory. The Israelites, and even Eli didn't realize that the glory of God had already started to part Israel. That they were already starting to get further and further away from God and his glory. See, we, you can all share in God's promises. We can all share in his provisions and his protection. But there's one thing that God does not share. There's one thing that he wants to keep for himself. There's one thing that he deserves to keep for himself. And that's his glory. That's his glory. God does not share his glory. He doesn't share it. It's not about what I say. It's about what he says. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. He gets the glory for it all. The Israelites did not see that. They thought, God, where did you go? He didn't go anywhere. They were leaving him. His glory didn't go anywhere. Their glory was leaving. It was all on them. They got used to living without him. See, they, they didn't even recognize when his glory wasn't there. They didn't even realize that they were walking so far away from him that they were getting away from his glory. That their, their glory was gone way before the ark, way before their trophy was stolen. It was beginning to go. Eli and his sons were worthless fellows with no regard to the Lord. They were getting fat off the offerings that were supposed to be going to glorifying God. They were corrupt. They were supposed to be the leaders of the church. They were supposed to be the leaders of the Israelites. And they were the ones that ended up being the most selfish. And they were getting fat off of it. They were taking what was God's. They were taking the best of what everyone was offering. And they were fat and they were taking it for themselves. Not only were they treating God like an it. Not only were they worshiping me a creation. They were not giving glory to God. They were sharing in his glory that they didn't deserve. So what are you taking in for yourself today? What desires are you, are you trying to satisfy? What desires are you trying to satisfy with your trophies? What are some of the trophies in your life that you're glorifying in, that you're putting in front of God, that you're putting before God, and that you want the glory for it? You want the praise for it. What are some relics in your life that you've been toting around for way too long that you need to lay down? Are we glorifying in God or are we glorifying in ourselves? See, God wants us to have even more than we can imagine, more than we can ever think of and dream about as long as he gets the glory. As long as he gets the glory. It's all about him because it all belongs to him anyway. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, it says, For everything comes from him and exists by his power. It comes from him. It's his power. It's not us and our power. It's intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. All, everything. It's in his glory, for his glory. Whether we win a trophy or not, it's his. 
You earn a trophy, it's his. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what, what you've done. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power to work within us. His power is within us. His power is within us. Not for our enjoyment, not for our glory, not for our satisfaction, but for his to accomplish infinitely more than we can ever dream or imagine. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. So the Israelites, they were, they were missing that. They were missing that. That they were glorifying in themselves. And where is God's glory gone? Where is God? He didn't go anywhere. You're the one that's moving. So if you're here today and you feel like your glory is gone, he didn't move. He didn't move. You'd moved. All glory goes to him. Everything else is just empty. See, God continually provided and protect the Israelites. See, they didn't, they didn't like the way he did it. They weren't totally committed. See, instead of service to honor and to please God, they started seeing it as a burden that they had to give sacrifices all the time. The priests were getting fat off of other people's sacrifices. They were starting to treat God like a trophy. They were starting to take honor for themselves. They were corrupt. The leaders of the church were supposed to be the leaders of the Israelites. Were so corrupt. Instead of giving all the glory to God, they were taking it for themselves. God says, I'm not in it. I'm not in it. The priests begin to, to see God and the service of God as a burden. Is that the way you see God's calling on your life today? You see your calling as a teacher or pastor, a nursery worker, a greeter, a coffee ministry, small group leader, a boss, just an everyday worker. Do you see that as an honorable privilege or do you see it as a burdensome responsibility? You see it as a burden. Or you see his calling as something that you should be proud of. That that calling on your life is not a burden. Do you, does the worship of him get in the way of what you'd rather be doing? God, I know I need to read my Bible right now, but I'd rather be watching this. I know I need to be calling my friend and checking on them, but I'd rather be doing this. I say, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of putting those trophies in front of him. We're all guilty of, one point in time or another, putting something in front of him. Or is there no place you'd rather be? See, God shares his love and he shares his mercy. He shares his protection. He shares his provision. But he will not and he does not share his glory. It's all his he even shared his only son with us. That's how much he loved us. So he gets one thing. We get everything else. He wants one thing. And see, in the Old Testament, you sacrifice certain things that belong solely to him. That you sacrificed your best for him. 
The best was supposed to be given to him. See, those ceremonial rituals were abolished once and for all when Jesus died on the cross for us and became the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. See, sacrifices were voided by the sacrificial lamb. And it's not that that we sacrifice. It's not that you sacrifice, but who was sacrificed. And that we accept that sacrifice. And that we receive that sacrifice. But sometimes we fail to realize that even though we've accepted his sacrifice, there's just one thing he wants in return, and that's glory. He wants glory. And I'm so glad and we're so blessed that we're in the ministry and we're in the church that we don't have to be, make sacrifices. Be a bloody place up here. Be a mess with all of our sins having to be sacrificed. The shedding of blood having to be sacrificed. But what Christ did on the cross for us. Once and for all, and there's only one thing he wants from us in return. Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul tells us, And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Give all your bodies to God. Give everything to him because what he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, the, the principle of sacrifice doesn't end. It doesn't end. He doesn't want a piece of fat from an animal. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. He wants us to be a continual sacrifice every day, that we put our lives on the altar every day for his glory, not our own. The principle of sacrifices went away with what he did on the cross, but he wants us to be a sacrifice to him every day. Our bodies, our lives, everything that we have belongs to him. See, he doesn't want just the best. He wants all of us. We are all made and called to be a kingdom of priests to serve him to serve others not for our glory but for his see his calling is not burdensome it's eternal life giving our service to him and his calling in our life is not burdensome it's not a burden it's life giving we give him the glory because we get everything else and see he wants a relationship with you not a ritual and he wants our lives to be a pleasing aroma to God. See, when they sacrificed an animal, that aroma went up to God. And he, it was pleasing to him. See, our sacrifices, the sacrifices of our lives should be a pleasing aroma to him. It should smell good. Us bearing fruit for him. I don't, I don't want my sacrifice. I don't, I don't want my service to stink. We have to strive to give him everything every day, to lay our lives on the altar every day, even when we don't feel like it. Even when we feel like our glory was gone, say, God, you, I'm going to do whatever you need me to do today. Your, your calling on my life is not burdensome. 
I'm sacrificing everything for you today, for your glory. See, life is worthless without Jesus. See, hope. Let's finish. I'm closing. Verse 18. 19, sorry. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near her time of delivery. When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth. But before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid. You have a baby boy. Things are looking up for you. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod. And I don't know any other Ichabods. Which means where is the glory? Where is the glory? For she said Israel's glory is gone. She named him this since because the ark of the God had been captured. And because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Then she said the glory has departed from Israel. For the ark has been captured. Their glory was gone. And it wasn't because God left. It was because they were getting further and further and further away from his glory. They were started to worship trophies. They were started to worship their relics. They thought it could save them. They were not giving him all the glory that he deserved. Ichabod. See, hopefully that Grace Community Church does not become Ichabod Independent Church where we have the building and the, and the programs and the, and the ministries and the, and the kids department, small groups and a, and a worship team that's fantastic and a pastoral team that's all empty if he's not in it. It's all empty if he's not getting all the glory. So when people come in here, they can see all these things. But when they come in here, where's God? God has to be in it. He has to be the center. He has to be the center of your life. It's not about your trophies. It's not about your religious relics. It's not about your good luck charms. It's all His glory. So maybe you're here today and you feel empty. And you feel like your glory is gone. Your glory can be restored today because he didn't go anywhere. All you have to do is accept him and seek him. See, all the Israelites had to do was say, God, I, I'm going to give you my all. What do you want us to do? What is your will? Then he would have fought for them. Then he would have gave them victory just like he had in the past. But they were serving in it. They were putting their trust in it. They were putting their trust in the creation and not the creator. Are you putting your trust in the creator today? Are you trusting it's? Are you trusting trophies? You can turn your life over to him today. You can lay your life down today and give it all to him. And I'll never forget my great-grandpa singing. It's an old rugged cross. And there's a line on there that says, Till my trophies at last I lay down. I still remember. 
I didn't even know what the words meant when I was little. But I do now. Lay your trophies down. Cling to the cross. He's the only place. He is the only glory that we have. He gets all the glory. Lay them down today. And I love small group. God always speaks to me. Seems like in small group. We were watching Francis Chan. He said that, made the comment that the Hebrews called Mary the ark. That the believers called Mary the ark. That it wasn't just a box. It wasn't just a trophy. That Mary was carrying the living God. That God was living inside of her. And they called her the ark. Because she was carrying God himself. She was carrying God's glory in flesh. That would soon one day sacrifice himself for us all. That she was the ark. And that same power that was in Mary is the same power that's in us because of the cross. That he died to give us the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit lives in us if we are in him. If we are in him. We are the ark. See, we are the priests that he's called to go to the world. We are the soldiers that are called to fight and take Christ out into the world. Furthering his kingdom. So that others can spend eternity with him. That he gets the glory. That it's nothing about, it's not about what we've done. It's about what he's done. So that he can get the glory. That he can get the praise that he deserves. That our, that our lives become a daily sacrifice to him. That our sacrifice is a pleasing aroma to him. That, that not only does he get the best, that he gets all. He gets all. And giving him his all. Giving him our all is not burdensome. It's not burdensome. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. We get everything. We have his power. We have his provisions. We have his protection. We have eternal life. He deserves that glory. He deserves that glory. Give it to him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. But I just pray that we just put our trophies down in front of you. That we lay our lives down for you. That when, time, when your glory seems to be gone, when, when our service starts to feel burdensome, that we realize that it's all for you. And your calling in our life is not burdensome. That your glory never left us, we left you. And that you are our glory. Lord, I just lift up everyone in here today. Lord, let them come back to you. Let them find your glory. They're not going to find it in a creation. They're not going to find it in the it. They're not going to find it in a trophy. It's only found in you. It's only found in you. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory. We give you all our praise. We give you all of our worship. When we make the ground shake, Lord, it's because of what you've done for us. That it's not empty, it's not shallow. You are not in a box. 
you are in us. In your name we pray.